He did know the name of the occupant's security company. A phone call and twenty minutes' wait brought a company truck, from which hopped a brisk young woman with fifteen earrings and bleached blonde hair a quarter of an inch long. She looked at their IDs carefully, made a phone call to confirm that they were who they said they were, then cheerfully unlocked the door for them. Or rather, she first locked the door, then unlocked it. The deadbolt hadn't been set only the automatic lock in the knob itself. Shaking her head at the carelessness of clients, she removed the key from the deadbolt and handed it to Williams, along with the code for the alarm box that her paper said was behind a picture just inside the door. Williams gave Kate the key and wrestled the door open against a heap of accumulated mail inside, moving rapidly along the walls and pulling aside half a dozen pictures before he located the alarm panel. "'behind a framed pen-and-ink drawing of two men in old-fashioned dress, walking on a street. "'He hurriedly tapped out the sequence of numbers, using the end of a pen so as not to obscure any possible fingerprints. "'The official housebreakers held their breath, and when the alarm didn't begin screaming, "'the woman from the department's photo lab stepped inside and started the video camera running. "'Kate said to the security woman, "'Thanks. We'll hang on to the key.' My notes say there's a pad upstairs, too, on the door to the third-floor study. Do you want me to open that as well? Sure. The young woman ducked inside and headed for the stairs, with Kate's companion on her heels to make sure she touched nothing. Kate stepped into the victim's house, and with the first breath of pipe tobacco, lavender, and furniture wax, the Wonderland imagery returned more strongly. She was in another world. She was also in a remarkably ill-lit world. As the late January evening was coming on fast, and the light switches proved even more thoroughly hidden than the alarm panel had been, Tamsin, the photographer, wandered off through the gloom, playing the camera through the rooms and up and down the walls. But Kate thought her colleague was working faster than usual, as if afraid that soon she would be recording the inside of a cow's stomach. Kate trotted after Williams to get his car keys, went out to get her flashlight from the briefcase she'd left in his car, then knelt inside the door to pile the mail to one side. The earliest postmark was from the 22nd of January, nine days before. When the mail was in order, she stood and wandered from the entrance foyer with its dangling bell and framed etchings into the shadowy rooms beyond, open-mouthed with disbelief. The fireplace, for example. It was a cramped, iron-lined box that would have spilled any self-respecting log onto the carpet, which she thought explained the shiny brass bucket of black lumps. Except that, this being San Francisco in 2004, and not London in 19-whenever, the regulations against burning even the cleanest of anthracite coal were stringent. And so the fireplace was, in fact, a fake— with black and red pseudo-coals that glowed and pulsed and gave out no more heat than a light bulb. Still, the coal in the brass bucket, wasn't it called a scuttle, was real. Her companion came back downstairs, thanking the security company representative as he ushered her out the door, standing back to allow crime scene in, then stepping outside himself to make a phone call. 
Lotech glanced around and, without a word, got out the equipment to search for organic trace evidence, blood spatter and the like. The darkness just meant he didn't have to switch off lights. There wasn't much to see in the lower floor, no sign of blood or disturbance, only the one ashtray to collect, no unwashed cups or glasses. The sound of Williams's voice outside stopped, and he came into the sitting room saying, The upstairs study wasn't locked, but there's a safe. Jesus! He stood staring at the walls. Kate lifted the powerful beam of her flashlight off the laden bookshelves and asked, You think we can get some lights on in here? There don't seem to be any. Don't be ridiculous. There have to be lights. There's one on over the stairs. Well... There's things on the wall that look like light fixtures, but I don't see any switches. Kate played her flashlight beam at the walls, and there, indeed, were fluted glass shapes that could only be light covers. She walked over to the nearest and peered up at it, frowning, then stretched up an arm to jiggle what looked like a key. A faint hissing noise emerged from the fixture, and she hastily turned the key back until it stopped. Hey, Chris, do you see a box of matches anywhere? She asked. Williams shone his own light around, bringing it to rest on the mantelpiece. He picked up an ornate little box, shook it, and at the familiar noise, handed it to Kate. Thanks. Hold your light on this thing for a minute, she told him, sliding the butt of her flashlight into a trouser pocket. Gingerly, she opened the stopcock a partial turn and lit a match holding it to the place where the hissing noise seemed to originate. With a small pop, the flame ignited, and the gloom in the room retreated a bit. Both cops watched the glowing white bowl of the light warily, but when it neither exploded nor sent flames crawling up the wall, Kate went to two other lights and set them aglow. Are those things legal? Her temporary partner asked. I've never seen anything like them before, she replied, adding, outside of Masterpiece Theater. It reminds me of something, William said, looking around the space. Yeah, a movie set. Dark red flocked wallpaper, thick velvet drapes that seemed to suck out the weak dusk light from the windows before it could reach the room, and apparently the air as well, for the atmosphere, though cold, was stuffy. The furniture was of a kind that would have been out of date in her grandmother's time, everything heavy and upholstered, except one badly sprung wicker work chair angled in front of the fake fire. Beside this chair stood a fragile-looking table with an inlaid top, all but invisible under a jumble of objects, including two pipes and a laden ashtray that went far to explain the stuffiness of the room. Through the gloom, she could see a desk, on one corner of which stood a tall, stick-like telephone, with the earpiece on a cord, straight out of the dawn of the telephone era. Even the drinks tray looked as if it had been brought here in a time machine. Cut glass decanters clustered around one of those tall bottles wrapped in silver mesh that swooshed fizzy water into glasses in period movies. "'I know what this is meant to be,' Williams exclaimed." A museum? Just about. Look at this, he said. 
and Kate turned to see him studying a heavily gouged patch of flocked wallpaper. And not random vandalism, she realized, but in lines. You ever read the Sherlock Holmes stories? No. Well, not since I was a kid. She'd seen plenty of dramatizations on the television, her partner Lee being a serious addict of public television. Come to think of it, that was probably where the gaslight wisdom had come from. But you know who Sherlock Holmes is. Not waiting for a response, he went on. There's one story where Dr. Watson mentions that the detective had shot up the wallpaper with the initials of the Queen, V.R. Wouldn't you say that's a V and an R? Kate stepped back, and indeed, the pockmarks could be interpreted as those letters, although lopsidedly so. You mean the Vic shot a bunch of holes in the wall, and the neighbors on the other side didn't end up in the emergency room? With his face nearly brushing the flocking, Williams touched one of the holes, then shook his head. I don't think he really used a gun. These look too clean, and they're not very deep. More like he punched them into the sheetrock. Plaster, Kate corrected absently. After renovating two houses, there wasn't much she didn't know about old walls. So the Vic was a Sherlock Holmes nut? Looks like. Down to the gaslights... And there's the violin on the table over there. Wonder how far he took it. Why don't we go see? The answer was, he took it very far, indeed. A subject of Victoria Regina would have felt instantly at home with the furniture, the dusty houseplants, Aspidistra, Kate's mind provided, and the fountains of pampas grass and peacock feathers. The kitchen refrigerator was an actual icebox.